Blog Talk Radio. TJ Smith could not join us this morning, so I will be anchoring the broadcast solo. Now, there's a bunch of stuff that I wanted to get into today. Um, Obviously, great intro by Stereophonics right there. Really does encapsulate what we're dealing with here. I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. The bankers are basically announcing that they run everything through MSNBC. It's absolutely bonkers. I'm going to get into that a little bit. I'm also going to get into the Obamacare, give you my take on it. It's actually, you know, people that are freaking out, It's it, it, that's fine. Freak out if you want to freak out. But the good thing is it's a tax, and as we all know that taxes can always be repealed. You know, it's once again congressional oversight, albeit that is one huge step towards communism, socialist health care. Sometimes, guys, you have to break the egg in order to really get to the heart of the matter. And what we're looking at, as I've been saying for probably two years now, and it's not just because of the the media that I listen to, it's because of studying history, it's you know just taking a look at the way empires always operate. They always go down the path that the United States are, are going and are heading, and so I am gonna get into that a little bit later on as well. But the one thing that I did want to bring up, topic for the show today. The London Olympics are coming up in a couple of weeks. They're going to run from July until September. And I've compiled a bunch of clips. And the clips are going to be anything from Rick Clay. And I'll give a little bit of a background before I get into his stuff. To this gentleman this, that goes by the name of Lee that's actually been on the Alex Jones show, that's been on a couple of talk shows out in, out in London, breaking down the fact that they have this private company called the G4S, this private security system. It's got breaches everywhere. I mean, it's a calamity of errors. The Keystone cops would be proud of these people. I mean, it is a joke. But not going to get into that yet. I wanted to cover a, a smattering of the news, but I do I do want to play very first for everyone the uh, the MSNBC report, which you know some of you've probably heard of, some of you haven't, and it's basically talking about hey, are we slaves to the central banks? The things that I've been saying for years, my friends know about it because they hear me say it at nauseum, beating it like a like a like a drum. And saying, "Hey, we got to pay attention. Hey, we got to pay attention." I think that this is uh, this is headed down a bad path. And then you look into the new world order, and it's basically world run by banks and corporations and government, and enslaving populations all over the United States and thus all over the world. And they do it through devaluation of currency. Once again, if you are a slave to the fiat currency, they pretty much own you. So. 
Here's a clip from MSNBC. It's about 30 seconds long, but um, much like Alex Jones where he talked about it on his show, my mouth dropped. I mean, I, I know that this stuff's going on. I hear about it. I, I do the research. I understand. And once you get to a certain level of understanding, it really does become comical watching the propaganda machine. But here's the clip from MSNBC in case you haven't heard it, and then I'm going to break it down what they're basically saying here. I think that right now the question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guest tonight. Is this global governance at last? Is it one world, the central bankers in charge? Jim, Jim Urio, you say we've got some downside here, a correction in the markets. Fine. But aren't we all just living and dying for what the central banks do? Aren't we all just counting on the fact that there's a Bernanke put, put and that we won't go any lower than, say, 5% uh, down from here? Of course we are, because if we look at the economic data, there's nothing to get excited about in that. Yeah, there's nothing to get excited about in the economic data. But yet you have this talking point from the mainstream media that drives me absolutely bananas, where they come out and say, yeah, we're in a slow recovery, we're in a mild recession, all of this stuff. You guys, are you serious? You're misleading the population. This is a joke. We've got the entire euro collapsing over there. Then you've got Germany being held hostage pretty much saying, hey, guys, if you don't bail out everybody, we're all screwed with this. And then, and then you have the, the audacity to come onto your population to the people that don't really know what's going to go on, and they just say, oh, everything's fine. We're in a slow recovery, and you just hear that all around the population, and it drives me absolutely crazy. Guys, we've been bankrupt. We got bankrupted back in the 40s or 50s. I can't remember when it was. And then we got owned by the Federal Reserve. It's, it's a fact. We're owned by the central banks. And now they're so arrogant that they come out and talk about it on MSNBC that, yeah, well, you know, we're kind of we're slaves to what they do. They even said slaves. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. We're slaves to the central bankers? Oh, it's just it's it's mind boggling. So I do want to once again, I do want to cover a little bit of the news. I got some news here in front of me on Iran. Basically, headline reads, Iran, there will be war and we will win. So, you know, guys, the, the, the country to pick a fight with is not Iran. And what's been going on in Syria is a whole nother thing in and itself. You've got you've got a complete interesting story going on there with the Turkish fighter getting shot down, which they said was over international waters, but if you do the monkey math on it, because the plane that got shot down was an F-4 fighter, and I probably should talk to my father about this because he flew F-4 fighters for the United States military, you know, they just think that the population's stupid. They think that I'm stupid. They think that you're stupid. And the reason that I get mad is because you know, most of the people, they'll just hear it and they'll go, oh, yeah, well, they shot it down. It must have been over international waters. we got to go invade. What? Oh, come on, guys. You know, the, not to get on a tangent, but if you guys haven't seen this show that's on HBO and it starts with news, it's absolutely beautiful. And the reason that it's beautiful is it basically shows the inner workings of a, of a news corporation and how it works. But there, But it's... It's very first five minutes that they had. You can actually go on YouTube and watch it, where um, where the lead actor, his name's Jeff, um, I think it's Jeff 
Daniels, the guy from um, Dumb and Dumber, which is still what I remember him as, he gets on there and he goes on a tirade because this girl asks him, why is the United States the best country in the world? And he goes on a flippant tirade about how we're not and about we spend more money than the – as far as military budget goes as the bottom 25 countries combined, the 25 countries below us. Oh, but don't worry. They're all NATO members. So – when you see what's going on here in the position of Syria, in the position of Iran, it's it's the same program, guys. What happens? The economy gets bad, and then what does the U.S. government do? We need to march off to war. And the neocons love it. They They absolutely love it. Once again, because war is something that happens over there. It's something that happens over there. I'll tell you one thing, guys. You keep picking fights. With countries like Iran, that stuff's coming here, and the United States population would completely freak out if some if if one if one little transport truck got bombed, they would lose their gourd and say we need to parking lot them because they don't have any idea what war is. I've talked to a couple of friends of mine that are in the military, and they really do get it, and they're like, listen, we can't keep doing this stuff. You can't be the police of the world. You can't keep being the New World Order police and go around and starting scuffles with people. Yeah, there are bad people in the world. Yeah, there are probably bad leaders in the world. But you know what? When you're a bankrupt nation, you don't have to you don't have to keep marching off to war to sign us on to more and more debt. And the one thing, if you guys want to look this up, and this is what I'll finish with for this little this little section. If you want to look this up, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, William Jefferson Clinton that started this whole collapse slide debacle when he removed Glass-Steagall and basically gave the banks unlimited funds so they could go out and launder all – not launder, but create all kinds of fiat currency and and basically give bad loans out to people because everybody should own a home. I mean what a joke. Every you know, everybody should own a house. Yeah, that's great, but you know, some people can't afford a house. Some people shouldn't live in a house. But anyway, side issue. This guy gets up in in one of William Jefferson Clinton's press conferences and says, "Mr. President, could you? I think he was president elect at the time, or maybe he was governor or whatever. He said, can you tell me any country that has spent their way out of debt?' And he just stands there." And he can't figure it out, and then he says – and then he snaps into politician mode and says, oh, well, you know, um, I balanced the budget, and then goes on that little rant, and everybody claps because it's the president. Once again, presidents are just front men for the giant corporations that own these people that have been bought and paid for by the New World Order for the most part, and they're just moving them around, and that's why they dump them about every four years. You know, they set up Bush to fail. They set up Obama to fail. It's it, it it it's a joke. But once again, digressing away from that, away from the power structure, it's when you get down to what we're looking at here and what we're facing. You're facing number one, international war. If you're talking about war with Iran, if you're talking about invading Syria, none of these things are going to be good. This is not good. This is not going to get us out of debt. It's not going to make our international relations any better with any country. There has to be a point – and believe me, I don't want Iran to have nuclear weapons. I mean, come on. 
that's like saying, yeah, should I should I give this crackhead about two grams of of crack cocaine and then tell him not to use it? I mean, come on. These guys have wanted to get rid of Israel for forever, and I'm not trying to be a neocon. I'm just trying to show you both sides of the coin here. In reality, the the United Nations, the reason that they have failed so miserably or succeeded so gratefully, if you want to look at it from either side of the coin, in my point, they failed so miserably because, once again, it goes back to the documentary that I watched where the guy really does expose the fact that Iran is trying to create a nuclear weapon. They're not using it for nuclear power or anything like that just because of the sheer magnitude and size of the facility that they built. If the facility that they built was, I can't remember, it was like 200, oh gosh, I can't even remember what the, uh, the, the unit of measurement was. But if it was something like 200 of this so-called measurement, or if it was 40 of this so-called measurement, 200 was going to be for a nuclear power plant. It was due to the size of the stacks that they had, how many of them they had, those types of things that was going to be used for um, electricity purposes. But if they made it something less than that, it was basically admitting the fact that there was going to be to create some kind of nuclear weapon. And then the UN's quote-unquote surprise inspections, first of all, they have to have a diplomat go with them, which is a joke. And so they send them a letter a couple of weeks in advance and say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a surprise inspection of your facility. Gee, I wonder why you never find anything there. I mean, they they absolutely parking lotted this whole thing that they created, this so-called created the enriched uranium in. They, they absolutely dug it up and then piled up new dirt on it. For like six feet high, and then they're like, "Well, we didn't find any traces of any nuclear, you know, materials here." Gee, I wonder why. So, once again, getting off of that, war is not the is not the problem here. You know, taking us to war with Iran, taking us to war with Syria, that's not going to solve anything. It's just going to give more power to the banks, more power to the New World Order so that they can flip around and then use that on the American people if they do stage the economic collapse, which it's pretty much been designed to fail because of all the derivatives. So moving on with the article, actually, we've got on a really big tangent there, but it's something that needed to be said. So within the article, it says General Solani says that Iran has complete control of all enemies' interests around the world and is on a path to reach um, equivalency with world powers. Exactly right. So if, I mean, basically, right there, it's saying that hey, we're we're building nuclear weapons, and you know, go screw. And he said the commander of the Israeli nuclear program said that it's irreversible. So this is something that we've already started. We can't really take it back, so we're just going to go full steam ahead and and try to stop us. And once again, if diplomacy is not going to work with these guys, when we actually start to scuffle with them, it's not going to be good at all. You know, it, it would probably make Iraq and Afghanistan and even, you know, oh gosh, it's just not going to be good. So it says the current sanctions will only help Iran with its progress and the Iranian ballistics missiles can target the enemy's moving carriers with 100% accuracy here in the West. The guard's operation plan includes the a radius that determine that or oh, excuse me, a radius of deterrence in the region to which all interests of the enemy have been identified in case of a war and those interests will be attacked. So basically saying, "Hey, we know where your little facilities are. We know where your troops are. If you guys do anything, if you try to trump up any kind of 
false flag or if you try to stage an event that we're just going to start wiping people out. This is no joke. So, you know, you can read the article. It's actually up on Drudge, or you can just Google search it. Once again, the, the article is Iran, there will be war, and we will win. So moving on from that, I did want to get into Fast and Furious a little bit, and then I'm going to launch into the topic for the show today. And once again, I have tons of quotes, so I'm probably going to have to rush through this news article. But it's um, Daryl Issa puts details on secret wiretap applications in congressional record. Now, I don't know if anybody has been paying attention, but you know, Operation Gunrunner, which then turned into Fast and Furious. You know, this has always been the plan. If you're, if you're, you have to think about it from a second level thinking, and you can't think about it as the United States as an entity of of anything other than the bankers. We're basically the the physical might of the bankers. So if you wanted to remove the guns from the American people's hands, what would you have to do? Well, you would have to make it look like that the guns are causing the problem, that the people that are selling, it's too easy to get a gun. There's not enough gun control out there. You don't need to have the civilian population armed because all that spells is trouble. Yet it does spell trouble for a tyrannical government that might start overstepping its bounds, but if you're looking at it from the side of the people and the side of freedom, it's really the only way that we can ensure that we're going to have a lawful government because, once again, Constitution says that if we need to take up arms and overthrow these people, that's our constitutional right. And so, once again, you come back to this. You come back to Operation Gunrunner. You come back to Fast and Furious. And, and basically, Issa, in this article, talks about how uh, – I'm going to read an excerpt from it and then expand on it. It says the wiretap applications were signed by by senior Department of Justice officials in the Department of Criminal Division, including the assist, uh, Deputy Assistant Attorney General jo, uh, Jason Weinstein and Deputy Assistant Attorney General Keith Blanco, and another official who is now deceased. So, you know, they're signing off on this, and I don't know if, if anybody's aware, but if you're in a governmental agency, basically they have free reign to, to tap your phones. And pretty much everything you do is recorded. Even if you're a slave like our, you know, myself and yourself, you know, your conversations are probably being recorded anyway. That's what Google is set up for. That's why the NSA is building that humongous database out in Utah, but they won't tell Congress what it's for. It's basically to spy and then send it through a bunch of, you know, humongous supercomputers that will go through algorithms and, and pull out key phrases, and then they'll actually analyze what you guys are talking about to see if you're talking about drugs or to see if you're talking about you know, um, maybe staging an event or something like that. So once again, it's going to be sold as something good for the people to be surveilled and the people to have all their stuff recorded because once again, al-Qaeda might get us, and so we need to give all of our rights up. So moving on with the article, it says that the wiretap affidavit details that agents were well aware of large sums of money that were being used to purchase large numbers of firearms, many of which were flowing across the border. And this all stems from this all stems from the fact that uh, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry was murdered by a couple of these guns. It's actually been more than just one Border Patrol agent. There's been multiple issues of this. Of, of these of these border patrol agents being killed by guns that were actually shipped down there by the United States government into Mexico and then shipping the drugs back and and so now now Eric Holder who's basically 
you know, he's he's linked with the Oklahoma City bombing. But once again, when you get to this high level, when you get to the attorney general, it, it really does make the citizens wonder. It makes us wonder, you know, whose side are you really on? And And my theory is, and this is just my theory, that Holder, once again, is just a fall guy for this. This is not... This is not something of his doing. He probably didn't trump this idea up. Once again, this came down from the power structure and was just moved into his domain and said, hey, we want you to just kind of oversee this program. And once again, it's burning the messenger type thing. Remember, the elite and the people that are in control will always give themselves a buffer, whether the buffer is, is, a, is a patsy or whether their buffer is a high-ranking official. They're going to give themselves the buffer because they can't be revealed to the population because the gig is up and then everything comes crashing down. So that's all I have to say about that. Now, transitioning into the Olympics, 2012 London Olympics. There is a little bit of history going back to the Olympic Games. Now, for for those of you that don't know, the ancient Olympics was basically, you know, chariot races, combat, those types of things. And it was in order to honor Zeus. And I'm sure that, you know, anybody that's taken history class kind of understands that. But the best known date that we've got is about 776 B.C., from when this stuff started. And uh, once again, it was just basically a religious importance and everything stopped and everybody came together, competed for a couple of days, and then you went back to whatever you were doing, went back to your own country, and, and everything went back to to normal. So once, you know, the Olympic Games ran for about 400 and, or almost 400 years, they think. Once again, there's no real start and stop date because the documentation is just not there. And then it ended with the Theodosius I that declared all the pagan and cult religions and practices be eliminated. And then Theodosius II basically ordered the destruction of all the Greek temples in, um, in 426 AD. And I'm just citing some sources from Wikipedia, but those typically do check out when you go back and do the further research. So the modern Olympics have only been around for a little bit, and and the modern Olympics are now this big corporate love affair for the most part. You see corporate signs, you see Coca-Cola is a huge sponsor, all of these things. And then what I'll get into later with this interview of um, of the gentleman named Lee that's the inside reporter, he goes on to talk about how that they are given instructions as the G4S that people that come in with with shirts, with any kind of logo that's not an official Olympic sponsor, they need to turn their shirts inside out or turn their shirts around. Because once again, we have to be told that we're all slaves, and it's all incrementalism. This is not going to be a bum rush. Once again, I always go back to this reference. You can't go around with machine guns and start killing people like the Nazis did. You have to do it by stealth. You have to overcome the minds of the people. Once you get people into a certain mode, as everybody well knows, humans are creatures of habit. So once you get them into the habit 
of going to the airport and having their genitals groped, once you get them into the habit of going through checkpoints, once you get them in the habit of using the credit card society, it's all just going to flow through. And the way that these guys work is in 10, 15, 20, 50 year increments, unlike corporations, which usually work on like a quarterly idea or even a month to month idea, proving their success. And then it's again, creating their short sightedness of not really understanding the big picture. And once again, conditioning you to not think outside of a quarter, outside of a month, or even outside of the moment that you're living. So that being said, I want to get into Rick Clay. Now, Rick Clay, now we are going to go ahead and preface this, everybody. We're going to go way down the bunny trail this morning. So take it, second-level thinking, and just think to yourself, what if? So Rick Clay was a singer-songwriter over in London, pretty popular band, I guess, from what I've read about it. And... He started getting into symbology, started studying the ancient Greeks, and started really studying the ancient Egyptians is where it really took flight. And once again, anybody that's done research on the New World Order or the Illuminati, they typically tie their blood lineage back to the ancient Egyptian pharaohs, you know, Amun-Ra and those types, because they believe that they're direct descendants much like Amun-Ra said that he was a god and everybody believed him because of the shape of his head. He was so different looking. Even in his statues, he was different looking. So once again, these people that trace their lineage back and they love themselves some bloodline, they really do think that they're human gods for the most part. So Rick Clay got pretty deep into the rabbit trail and in about 2007, 2008, after you know London started their their structural build on the Olympic Games, he started to really dive into well what is what's going on here because the elite always use symbology they love uh, ley lines which are for those of you that don't know ley lines are gravitational lines that run through the Earth and have certain crossing points and typically at these ley lines you will find energy levels that are of high magnitude. And what also happens is um, you will have a lot of humongous structures erected on these ley lines. And, um, you know, a prime example would be something like Stonehenge or the, or the Great Pyramid in Egypt, which are both built on ley lines. So he starts going into, well, let's look at the significance of the site that they picked out. And I've got a clip here that is about two minutes long. And he really does break down the stadium aspect, where it is, the streets that are around the stadium, how they pick the plot, the whole nine. And unfortunately, Rick Clay passed away in 2008 due to committing suicide, they think. He disappeared for a while, winds up dead. You know, conspiracy theorists would say that he that he was murdered by the Illuminati myself. I think that he just learned too much and just couldn't deal with it. And then decided that the easiest way to kind of relieve himself or remove himself from this situation was to just go ahead and commit suicide. Once again, that's my theory. That is not the overall overwhelming theory. And he was a great researcher and really does break down the uh, the London site. So here's the clip. You know, that was left vacant in London. Is that the one last place that could do things? Um, for something like the Olympics, it's a 
you know, it's quite lucky that they, they had it in the first place. <laughs> and what I noticed was I started looking at the actual street plan of this place. And um, to go through it, you've got, you've got a number of roads that circle the site. And the first road is a road called the Eastern Cross Route. Hmm. Oh, sorry, the East Cross Route, which is a reference to the Eastern Cross. Hmm. Um, you know, the Eastern Cross is, is an Orthodox cross, and it's a modified version of the Patriarchal Cross. It's got two smaller cross beams across the side. Um, next road down, you've got Carpenter's Road, which encircles the site. <laughs> carpenter, who was a carpenter? Oh, good old Joseph. Yeah, he was course. a carpenter, wasn't he? Yeah. Next road down, you've got a, a road called the Great Eastern Road. And obviously when you refer to something as the Great Eastern, it's obviously like the Great Eastern Star. So you look into the Great Eastern Star, you turn, it turns out that the Order of the Eastern Star is the largest fraternal organization in the world that both men and women can join. Yeah. And it was founded by um, someone highly connected with the Freemasons. And their symbol is the, um, the pentagram. Hmm. So this is the next road down. Yeah. Move, moving on uh, around the Olympic site. We're in, if you envisage we're encapsulating the whole Olympic site here. The next road along is Angel Lane. Mm. And obviously the famous angel is the Angel Gabriel. Mm. So we've got Angel Lane here. Um, next road along, we've got Temple Mills Lane. Temple <laughs> Mills, where the water mills belong to the Knights Templar. Yeah. So another connection there. The, the Knights Templar with the poor fellow soldiers of Christ in the Temple of Solomon. Mm. And then... Encapsulating all of this is um, Church Road. It's obviously another biblical road name. Yeah. So all the way around the Olympics 2012 site, which you could call Zion, if you go with the logo, mm. is biblical road names surrounding the whole site. There's not one road name that's not biblical. <laughs> so you start looking at that and you think, what the hell is going on? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this site was supposedly a fluke that they found this. And, you know, what we're looking at is something that is clearly quite well planned so that's the first clip I've got two more from that from that interview with Rick Clay that I'm going to play and it's you know it, it really does make you wonder you know if this site was untouched for however long and nothing was really built there and it just so happens that all of these roads have some kind of biblical tie and biblical reference and he gets into it a little bit more at um in the part two of this clip that I'm gonna play. You know, what does that really mean? I mean, most people, once again, most people that and I and I hate to use the term awake and asleep because it it really does imply that there's some great vast knowledge. It's just paying attention really is what it is. And and being able to being able to have second level thinking and not just take what you're spoon fed and really decipher it for yourself and formulate your own opinion, not just an opinion that's given to you by some um, some guy in a fancy teleprompter reading suit. So, you know, when he goes on to talk about Zion, it's actually pretty interesting. If you look on the logo of the 2012, or excuse me, the logo of the 2008 Olympics, and you can find these images on YouTube everywhere. If you break up the... If you break up the logo of the 2008 Olympics, it actually spells the word Zion. And then if you work um, to break down the the 2012 games, that you can actually make those the 2012 form Zion as well. So, you know, once again, it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but you know, take it for what it's worth. I think it's kind of interesting to say the least to even go down that road. So, I'm going to play the second part of this clip. 
and then I'm going to expand on this because this is where he really does get into the meat and potatoes. And then I'm going to briefly cover this and then transition into the last clip, which is a pretty but once again, you really have to pay attention to what's going on. And then once you start hearing the interview with the gentleman, Lee, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. It starts like Hadelin or something like that. Once you start hearing this, it should all start to really kind of come together for you. And then you can pull yourself away from all this stuff and, and formulate your own opinion. So here's the next part of it. It's another road name for it. And if I move into, say, for instance, hieroglyphics for a start, hieroglyphics back in the days of ancient Egypt, they were seen as talismans in that a particular hieroglyphic didn't mean like one letter, like a H. It meant a multitude of emotions. It meant a multitude of meanings. And it basically, you know, it drew in the powers of the stars. That's what a hieroglyph was. It was a talisman. Yeah. It wasn't a direct translation. So, like, for instance, when they do a direct translation of the Rosetta Stone, you can't translate hieroglyphics into HAs and Zs and stuff like that. Do you sure. know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, basically, if you think of this idea of hieroglyphics as talismans, um, power of the stars embedded in this, this symbol, um, if you want to call it that. Mm. And then everyone assumes that the English language moved on from that and that our letters just meant letters just to spell words out and that there weren't symbols at all. But the fact is that if you look into the idea that the power control in Egypt never died out and they've been endemic to the power structure from the very start, mm -hmm. the letters on the English alphabet are just as much hieroglyphs as the hieroglyphics were, the talismans. I agree, so yeah, yeah. If you look at the letter A, for instance, you've got a pyramid with a capstone, a capital mm -hmm. letter A. Yeah. And then if you look at an S, you've got a snake. And then if you've got like a dollar sign, you've got a snake rising up what could be a kundalini or, you know, a DNA coil, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. But basically, these, these, these letters have got meanings behind them. And so, this main road that cuts through the Olympics 2012 site, which is called the East Cross Road, is also known as the A12 Road. Hmm. Now, there's hundreds of A roads in Britain. And so, what are the chances that of all the roads that cross through it were an A12 Road, hmm. a Pyramid 12 Road? <laughs> do, do you see where I'm coming from with Oh, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. It's, um, it's pretty strange that that one road, you know, this is where I'm saying coincidences, it's a load of rubbish that this is coincidence, it's not yeah. coincidence whatsoever. No. And then you look into the situation of where it's situated in London and eastern London, and you'll find that it's in two areas, it's separated between Leighton and Leightonstone. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you're aware of what a ley line is, but of basically... Of course, yeah. Yeah, if you look into this, the Olympic site is bang on where two ley lines cross over. Hmm. So we're on about something that's connected to the energy grid of you know the world, like yeah. the the the, the, the lifeblood of the earth, if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, nice. So once again, he breaks down the ley line and how it actually crosses right there. And one, you know, if you guys want to do some some research, once again, this show is about trying to get you second level thinking and then interest you in certain topics and then have you go out and do the research on. Anything that you find that sounds interesting, anything that you go, wait, that can't be true, and then you'll do like I did and go and find out that it actually is true, if not more. So now I'm going to play the third part of this clip, and after that I'm going to give my surmise or synopsis, and then I'm going to bust into the undercover journalist that's basically exposing this G4 security system and the last clip that I'm going to play is probably going to freak everybody out 
But once again, this stuff needs to get out in the open. We need to be aware of it. So, you know, once again, the people perish for lack of knowledge. And just as Dwight D. Eisenhower said, only an informed public can fight the military-industrial complex and the New World Order. So here you go. Here's the last clip. Right next to the Olympics 2012 site, down a Roman road, is a place called Bethanal Green. Mm. Bethnal Green, Bethany, sounds the same, pretty close, you know, not, not too far off. Yeah. Bethnal Green is 3.3 um, miles, 33, 33rd degrees, Masons and everything, 3.3 miles from Charing Cross, the centre of London. Yeah. So symbolic and, and numerology and everything that goes with it. Of course, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, if we look at the research of uh, Ralph Ellis, he talks that uh, Mary Magdalene might have been Mary of Bethany. You know, there's a whole connection between right. Beth Bethany and the and the the you know the family of of Jesus, if you will, or you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've, with the whole idea of the um, the Dan Brown bloodline and the Priory of Sion and stuff like that. Yeah. That's. Um, I mean, I'll get onto that shortly, but that's all part of the plan. That's all part of what's intended here. They wanted to incite the public with the idea that there's a lost bloodline of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, pretty scary. <laughs> Top it off, but on a on a uh, on a funny note, um, have you heard of EastEnders before? Uh, come the, again. Say it again. EastEnders, the English soap opera. No, I have not. No. No, right. It's a it's a popular thing that most of the, I'd say ninety percent of the population probably watch it. Unfortunately, really? it's uh, <laughs> those typical soap operas. And uh, huh. if you watch the intro sequence to that. Basically, behind the EastEnders logo, where you know on this intro sequence, is the Olympics 2012 site. So basically, this thing that's making everyone forget about what's going on around them, that's distracting them, providing them with rubbish stories and terrible plot lines and everything, yeah. you know, stopping people from thinking, is symbolically showing this area on the TV screen every night of the week. Mm, interesting. It's quite Very weird. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, now I can get onto. I think I've set a, a good standing for this whole idea of uh, Zion and this biblical uh, biblical event of sorts. And you, you know what, what I think we should do like this, Rick. Uh, I think that we yeah. should take a break right here, actually, because this has been uh, basically an hour-long preface here. And, you know, obviously I've got tons of questions and comments, yeah, but I, course, yeah. I, I definitely want to just let you kind of lay out what you, you know, what you have here, so to speak, and see where this leads us. So I'm going to ask you, Rick, to just basically continue on, on the trail that you uh, ended in, in our first segment, if you will. Okay. Okay. Right, well, obviously we've um, laid out a ground plan with a street map of, uh, you know, the Zion Olympics in 2012, like biblical road names left, right and centre, um, symbology and symbols and everything, you know, it's all over the place. Um, so, I sat down and I started thinking to myself, um, so, what is going to happen? Obviously, this is this is something that's uh, clearly been in the uh, the making for, I mean, I'd presume that those roads have been like named them roads for over a hundred years because uh, the, the street street map hasn't changed in that time. Mm. Um, and so what I uh, started looking into was um, the idea of the Trinity because obviously the pyramid numerology and everything comes gets involved in all of this. Um, and you know, obviously I think there's a there's a lot to be answered for in there. And so obviously the procession of the equinoxes is a 26,000-year cycle, in which uh, a roughly 26,000-year cycle, and mm. uh, takes just over 2,000 years to transition into a new age. Obviously, 26,000 years through 12 signs of the zodiac, and that's about 2,100 for a new age. Mm. And um, 
obviously in with the dawn of Christianity under Jesus we um, we entered the age of Pisces which was symbolized by a fish um, and prior to that under the age of uh, Aries we were symbolically represented with Moses and his ram's horn mm, yeah. so you know and we're, we're, we're reportedly moving into the 11th astrological sign of um, Aquarius which is the water bearer and so you start looking into religion as a whole and you realize that every time that there's you know one of these kind of uh, you know transition of the ages mm-hmm. if you want to call it that yeah there's almost like a new trinity event which um, which finds itself you know radically shaping the landscape mm-hmm. so for instance the the last trinity event we had essentially was the uh, Jesus Joseph and uh, Mary who had been touched by the angel Gabriel um, Trinity, and obviously mm. in Christianity as a whole, you've got the Holy Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which mm. is symbolic again for the angel Gabriel. Hindu, with Hindu religion, we've got uh, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Mm. Um, the Jewish Trinity, which essentially not as personified, but was Moses, Ark of the Covenant, and the Temple, mm. and then obviously moving into the human body, we've got the spirit body and soul. You know, we've, we've got it all, but the fundamental trinity of of the ages like that started it all was the Osiris, Isis and Horus connection. Yeah. Obviously Osiris and Isis, mother and father giving birth to Horus, who was uh, essentially the personified and he was the son. But um so given that we've got this seventeen seventy six on the uh on the um gold, the, the the Great Seal on the dollar bill starting at seventeen seventy six, we've got the um Latin of Nuvus Ordo Seclorum. And it's literally Latin for New Order of the Ages. Mm. So it's not New World Order, it's what it's New World Order of the Ages. So it's yeah. obviously insinuating that it's to do with the transition of the equinox, like, of, you know, of the ages moving into the sign of Aquarius. Mm. So, once again, second level thinking here, and, and and everybody will will probably dismiss this as a bunch of conspiracy stuff, but when you really do hear him lay out the facts of what his research has led him to, and when you when you look at you know the transition of the ages, and when you look at December twenty second, and the reason that the Mayan calendar stops then is not because the world is going to end; it's going to be the end of an age. And what what scientists actually went back and recalculated that the Mayan calendar was a little bit off because it didn't account for leap years or what have you. And it should have happened like seven years ago. So all of you people that think that the world's going to come to an end on December 22nd, sorry to say it, but you should have been dead seven years ago. But here is the takeaway from that. The gentleman did a ton of research. He started going down a road that typically not a lot of people will go down because every time you answer a question, it is answered with another question. And then you have to answer that question, which is then posed as another question. And it leads you down a rabbit hole that typically most people don't want to go down, you know, and you'll end up like people like Bill Cooper or you'll end up like Rick Clay when they go down that road and they get really deep into it and study it and entrench themselves in it. Typically, not a lot of good things happen. But once again, this is something that if you want to do the research on your own, it is something to really think about. And wonder why almost every lunar mission from the United States was done on some sort of astrological calendar. And even when they would try to postpone launches, they would still go through with them because of the astrological significance. So even if you don't believe in this stuff, somebody that's calling the shots for the U.S. government believes in it. 
So that should tell you something. Now, transitioning away from Rick Clay and the setup, if you will, I'm going to get into a couple of breakdowns. And this was actually a follow-up interview that aired yesterday from this gentleman named Lee. Now, Lee came out and exposed the fact that he's been working with this company called the G4S. And the G4S is the private security firm that's running the London Olympics. Within his first interview, he talked about how he has been to be a team leader and he had little or no training as far as security goes where he's sitting right next to a gentleman that is a 20-year veteran of the London police force, and he was wondering why he wasn't selected to be a team leader. Obviously, very skilled, very affluent in security, how to, how to approach people, how to spot people, those types of things. And it just seemed pretty bizarre to him. But the further that he got into this, they were shutting – they have plans to shut off all the metal detectors – at the peak hours in order to get people through. So I do want to go into these clips because I'm going to run up against it if I don't get to them. And this is stuff that everybody needs to hear because you really need to start wondering what's going on here. Is this is this really the global government at last? Is this how they're going to move into you know, possibly staging a terror attack or a real terror attack actually happening that is basically just waltzed in by a security firm that's not doing their job with a humongous budget. So here's the first part of the interview. It's two minutes long. I'm going to let it roll, and then I'm going to transition into the next step and then the last step and then give my wrap-up at the end. So here is the clip from Lee in his interview. Okay, on a more serious note, you've also said that certain people who are called internationally protected people, uh, there is going to be no screening whatever for them. Um, so who are these so-called internationally protected people? Internationally protected people are anybody who LOCOG say they are. They are not necessarily uh, diplomats or, any, or anyone uh, like prime ministers or presidents, even though they would be included, I'm sure. Uh, these people, that anyone that LOCOG says you're an internationally protected person, which means if somebody, they want to bring in somebody, you know, um, uh, they, they just bring him in under the international protected per person guide and we cannot search them. And I think this is unfair. We should be searching everybody for the same reason that the metal detectors should be turned on all the time. And, you know, this idea of switching them off at peak times is absolutely ridiculous. So if there's a whole category of people who are coming in that know that they're not going to be searched, uh, surely that they are potentially a bunch of people that may be, uh, you know, possibly used by terrorists or may even have terrorists have infiltrated that group. Do you know roughly how many people are coming in that, that category? No, I don't, um, but it, it's a fair few. Uh, what we were told, basically, by um, the, the, the trainers was that we would get a, um, the team leader, that is, would uh, get a call to say that a certain someone's coming through your PSA, they cannot be searched. Um, and so they would then, as soon as they arrived, we would let them straight through. You know, um, members of the public have to be searched. Everybody has, has to be searched, I, I think, um, if they stop the metal detector. They should all walk through the metal detector. Everything should be working. Everything should be switched on. 
the internationally protected people, whilst we can, you know, give them as much respect as possible, we'll do it very nicely and very politely, as we would with anybody, they still need to go through that very same process. I don't mind that they go through a VIP section that's quieter than, say, the general public's area. I'm not expecting that to happen. But they still need to go through that same process where their bags are x-rayed, where they walk through the metal detector, and if it sets off, they get searched. That's, that's standard operating procedure for any nightclub, pretty much, uh, major nightclub in London. Why can't that be the case at the Olympics? Well, it should be the case at the Olympics, and this should this should really be out in the public. This should be this should be mainline news. But is it mainline news? When this interview first aired, um, when he first aired his is the first part of his um, it was, the actual interview was forty five minutes. The first time around, the second follow-up was about 20-something minutes, and I've kind of broken it down into some some important aspects of it. But I searched Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, their websites. That day, no word of it. No word that there could be – that they're shutting down metal detectors, that these people aren't trained properly. I mean what in the hell, man? You're going to have – Billions of people watching this. You are going to have hundreds of thousands of people attending these ceremonies. The ceremonies are supposed to be celebrated as a joy of competition and those types of things. And then you're going around and basically doing a half-assed job? I mean, what are they thinking? And then the mainstream media, he even talks about it in his first interview, and you guys can go to YouTube and watch it. He even talks about it in his first interview. He tries to take it to the big to the big um to the big media players, and they say, Hey, there's a media blackout on this topic. We can't cover. We can't touch it. Are you serious? You cannot touch this. You are endangering the lives of hundreds of thousands of people in your country, and you can't touch it. And you wonder why I get fired up about this stuff because it's in your face. I mean, once you hear about this stuff, it's like, oh my god, this has got to be mainstream news. Got to somebody's got to be talking about it. Nope, media blackout. Can't talk about it. Don't touch it. And that's when you start really pointing your finger at what in the hell is going on and who is making these calls. So sorry to get fired up, but that just really aggravates me every time I hear it. And now I'm going to go into this is actually another part of the interview. Where the gentleman talks about – and uh, this is actually another um, journalist that they bring on, and he talks about how al-Qaeda was actually you know, started by the Americans, and now it's some kind of Frankenstein monster, which is a bunch of garbage. They use it as a pawn to go in and infiltrate countries. It's a joke. All right, so moving on. Here we go. We know for a fact that in the past, terrorist actions, for example, the bombing of Bologna Railway Station in 1980, which was carried out by the Italian security services, and that's been proved by an Italian parliamentary investigation. The Brabant massacres in the 1980s were carried out by the Western Intelligence Services. That's been proved by a Belgian uh, investigation. The real danger with private security services, especially with lots of ex-military involved, is that they are the terrorists. Never mind the international but, I mean, no, no, sorry, no, none of them want to have some sort of terrorist. What would be the motive? What would be the motive for the bombing of Bologna railway station? It's actually to create fear and terror. Uh, we know that this kind of false flag terrorism is a possibility. 
Now, it's, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it's definitely a possibility, and it should be a number one priority of those in charge of the security to, 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 to protect against but that, Martin, which is why G4S shouldn't be in charge. And what uh, Lee was saying last week about how the police are being kept at arm's length, that's the thing that worries me the most. And perhaps Lee could comment on uh, that. Well, before he does, uh, Bologna railway station bombing was back in 1980. Admittedly, it killed something like 95 people. people. Uh, around about 90 people. Um, but that's, that's a long time ago. No, it's not. The point is that we've got a track record of people inside the Western Intelligence Services being the terrorists. Now, I could go on and on and on about this, because, as you know, this is the sort of so topic which I, I know a lot about. Well, can but you this just is point us towards one sort of area where we can find out about that? Though? Uh, I'll give you one word, Gladio, G-L-A-D-I-O. People need to just look it up in their computer, and they will see that there's a massive pile of evidence that Richard Cottrell, who's an ex-conservative uh, MEP, has just written a book all about it. The real threat of terrorism, Al-Qaeda included, is actually from within the Western Intelligence Services, which the Western Intelligence Services themselves admit they did create Al-Qaeda. They said it just turned into a Frankenstein's monster. I don't believe them. And remember, we're all supposed to give our rights up because of Al-Qaeda. Guys, that's what Bill Cooper died for. And if you guys don't know who Bill Cooper is, you can actually go to my YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV, and you can watch some of Bill Cooper's clips where he talks about, in depth, that Osama bin Laden was found in a cave by a CNN reporter, interviews him, and then he talks about how he's going to menace the United States and Israel, and then when Osama bin Laden attacks, that we need to give our rights up. And then Osama bin Laden attacks three months later... 9-11, Bill Cooper dies two, two, two months later for exposing the false flag, and the theory behind Bill Cooper's death, and I haven't done enough research to be clean, but it just doesn't really sound like Bill Cooper at all, who was a member of the militia out in, in Arizona and was a huge, huge high-up personnel in naval intelligence – exposing you know, that aliens actually did land here. They talked to our presidents. They talked to our world leaders, basically told them, gave them some, some, um, some tools, if you will. And then he ends up getting popped two months after 9-11, and it's supposedly because he pulled a gun and shot a sheriff's deputy. Now, Bill Cooper said over and over, if they come and try to take me out, I'm going to defend myself. So I don't know what happened. But, you know... It's it's really crazy when this kind of stuff goes on, and then once again, this guy completely hits a nail on the head that Al Qaeda was created by the West and 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 by Israel, and and now they just kind of move around. And there there's pictures of Al Qaeda with UN troops. It's just bonkers. But once again, the mainstream media just loves them some Al Qaeda, and they've got I would say 85 or 90 percent of the population believing that Al Qaeda is under every table, and that. That all Arabs want to kill every American citizen. It's just it's it's comical. So, last clip, and then I'm going to give my wrap up, and then going to preface the show for next week. So here's the last clip, and this is what you guys should really be afraid of right here. Now, Lee, can I just pick up on one thing that uh, Martin said there and ask you about it? And that is this whole idea of the uh, of what is essentially the G4S and the private security actually telling the police what to do. Yeah, that's right. Um, they, what's happening is this. G4S are wanting to be, uh, and, and perhaps they're going to be, the uh, police slash security force of choice in the future. They are going to be 
running all policing operations in this country. They know this. They know that they're already taking over West Midlands Police. Okay, it's back room at the moment, but it's going to be frontline services uh, pretty soon. Um, there are a number of other police stations there they're wanting to, to get hold of. Um, they already run prisons. They already run detention centres. You know, um, you know, they are going to be the police. But how can you say? How can you possibly say that? Sorry to interrupt you, Lee. But how can you possibly say that there hasn't been any actual decision made by the people or the government that they are going to take over from the police? We've had an announcement from their, uh, I believe he was either their chairman or chief executive, week before last, that he believes that the police will be privatised uh, within the next five years. But surely that's a decision for the government and through, through the people. Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? But it's, you know, uh, this is how G4S acts. So the fact that they're treating the police. Uh, quite badly and saying we've got more powers and then we're untouchable. Um, uh, this is all just, just playing into the idea that people in G4S, obviously the higher echelons of the company and, uh, and in our government, know what uh, um, uh, is to come. And G4S are being lined up as the security slash police force of choice. That's why they've got the Olympic contract. That's why they've been allowed to go from 86 million to 284 million uh, pound contract that the taxpayers are paying for. They know this, and, which, and this is why uh, I think they're, 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 they're being flippant about the police and, and saying, well, you know, uh, they're not going to have much to do during the Olympics. They're going to be bored and, and, you know, and laughing about it and all that kind of stuff. They're pretty flippant like, in that way. And I think it's because eventually it's the slow creep. That's what it is. I mean, we already know that they want to investigate crimes, that they're wanting the forensic services as well. Um, uh, they already run asylum uh, housing, you know, which has gone uh, very bad. In Australia, uh, where they do uh, prisoner transportation, they had an ab ab Aboriginal guy in the back of one of their vans, drove him across the desert, and they killed him. The heat inside the van killed the guy. And this is what's going to happen. There's a whole catalogue of G4S disasters all around the world, and that's what's going to come to this country. And I think that this is probably the most important issue um, that this country has. Who polices the people? Now, it's supposed to be by consent. If it's a private company, that will no longer be the case. And G4S are using the uh, Olympics uh, to basically as a staging post to say, hey, look, look how great we did at the Olympics, or not. This is why you know, I'm such a problem for them at the moment. And this is what we could offer you as our other services and what have you, as we do this slow creep towards taking over every policing service in the country. And that's what I think. So, closing comments on that. Think about it. They're giving their police force over to this private security firm, and then the private security firm says, well, it's not official, but we're going to pretty much announce the fact that, that we're going to be taking over everything and there's nothing you can do. So imagine that in the United States, once again, transitioning into the, um, the TSA. The TSA is going to be running everything, guys. The blue shirts are coming. Get this broadcast to everybody you know. It's really important information. Let's go beat the new world order. Let's not be slaves. And everybody tune in next week. We're going to cover the news. We're going to cover our topic of the week. You know, get this out to everyone. Once again, get a friend. Get it, get it both.